Heavenly Father, as we come to Your Word today, we're excited to open it and excited to hear from You and to to echo that prayer that there's nothing better than You, God. And uh, there's not a lot better than Your Word, Lord. To be able to come and to receive from a fountain of truth and um, maybe a well of promises for each one of us today, God. I pray that that would happen, that we would receive um, just the thing that we need today. And we know that you know what that is. And I pray that, uh, yeah, your spirit would would um, line those things up. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd line up our needs um, with what uh, you want to give to us today. Pray that that would lead to transformation. Pray that that would lead to um, our character being conformed to your character, God. We thank you for the fact that this is the power of your word and this is what you do when we open it. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's take a seat. Thank you, team, for leading us in worship. Um, You'll see that I've got this old book here. (laughs) Some of you know what it is. Um, Who Hands up if you don't know what this is or what this book is. It's an old hymn book. It's, um, It's not, it's got some... Awesome songs in it, absolutely. David is uh, a big fan of, of the hymns, among, I'm sure, a few others are uh, a big um, fan of these songs as well. I've, been, I've started reading or adding one hymn every day to my devotional reading, just to mix it up, something a little bit different. I've, I sung many of these when we were out in um, Gainda doing ministry out there. We actually sung these almost every Sunday, and um, it was often my job to choose them which ones we're going to sing. And I, I'm not very musical. I don't really know. Um, when I moved there, I'd never never seen the thing before. And so it was very, uh, it was an education. But I've come to love them and I've come to um, appreciate them. And I wanted to start today's message off with, um, yeah, uh, reading half of one of these hymns because really only half of it applies to what we're talking about today. But this is... Um, it's hymn number three. Does anyone know what hymn it is? Hymn number three. Some of you will know if you were singing out of these for a long time. You'll, yeah, it's Come O Fount of Every Blessing. Okay, so very popular hymn, um, been around for a very long time. And uh, we're going to start about halfway down verse two. And um, I want you to hear these words and the language that's in there because they apply so well to our verse out of Zechariah 8 that we're looking at today, keeping in mind we're still moving through there and then going into that theme of um, God saving his people from where they are, bringing them, bringing them back to where they should be. This is, this is all, all about what today is. So it says this, Jesus sought me when a stranger. You'll have to forgive the old English a little bit. Wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger died and shed his precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained anew. Let that grace, Lord, like a fetter. That's a funny word. I think it means like something that ties me. (laughs) Is that right? Bind my wandering heart to you. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, 
Oh, take and seal it. Seal it from your courts above. Some pretty awesome words there. And, um, you know, it's, if you do have an old hymn book, it does make for some great devotional reading as well. If you, if you ever wanted to mix it up sometime, it's, uh, it's a pretty good thing to do. So today, those words really bring out the heart of God. And the language in it is bringing out the heart of God that we're going to see in the verses that we're looking at in Zechariah chapter 8. So you can open up there. And um, I want to remind you again, it's been a f- couple of weeks, but uh, Zechariah is this prophet that God sends to his people. They've just returned from exile in Babylon and they're back in Jerusalem. They're trying to rebuild the temple. And that work of bu- rebuilding the temple is actually rebuilding the meeting place yeah, of God and his people. They're, they're rebuilding intimacy between God's people and himself, yeah? That's, that's the work that they've been called to, and it's, and it's difficult work, and God sends his prophet Zechariah to keep them on the straight and narrow, to stop them from wandering, to, from, to stop them from looking left or right, or, or to be reminded of what it was like in Babylon and so forth, right? And, he's, he, and these verses, these promises out of Zechariah 8 is kind of like a summary of all of Zechariah's ministry, right? And so Zechariah 8... Verses 7 to 8, this is what it says in the NIV. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will save my people from the countries of the east and the west. And that's kind of like a a general saying. I'm going to save them from everywhere that they've been dispersed in exile from all over the place. And I will bring them back to live in Jerusalem. They will be my people and I will be faithful and righteous to them as their God. I'm going to read it in two more versions. I'll collect my people from countries to the east and countries to the west. I'll bring them back and move them into Jerusalem. They'll be my people and I'll be their God. I'll stick with them and do right by them. Then New Living Translation. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. You can be sure that I will rescue my people from the east and from the west. I will bring them home again to live safely in Jerusalem. They will be my people and I will be faithful and just toward them as their God. Right, this is um, just such a great picture of the ministry that God does and really the, the narrative of the whole Bible, right? It's the story of God getting his creation back into how he originally formed it to be. Right? It's, it's a story of God getting his people back to where they're supposed to be. It's that, it's that heart that people have for their children. Right? I'm going to talk a little bit about that later on today as well. It's that, it's that heart that we express where we just desire for our kids to do certain things and to not do other things. Right? It's that similar, similar thing that, that God's placed in us, that it comes from his heart. When he created us, when he formed us together, knitted us together in our mother's womb, he, ha- he had a dream in his heart for us and our lives, right? And when he sees us in Babylon, he's saying, hold on. Or in the countries of the east and the west, he's saying, hold on, I'm going to save my people. I'm going to rescue them. I'm going to bring them back to Jerusalem, to the temple, to the meeting place, to the place where there's intimacy between myself and my people, right? So that's the heart behind these verses. You can hear the language that God's using, right, in that it's it's... It's this desire that he has to live in relationship. And so he finishes off verse 8, interestingly as well, 
um, with that very typical covenant language, right, at the end of those couple of verses, right? We see this language in all throughout Scripture as well. They will be my people and I will be their God, right? It's repeated over and over again, and it's kind of like part of God's wedding vows to his people, right? He's like, he's like you will be mine and I will be yours, Right? It's, that, it's that exchange of intimacy and connection and relationship. And, and, and uh, God says, this is, this is the thing that's holding us together. Right? Well, the idea is that while God's people seem to and continue to stuff it up over and over again and, and find themselves dealing with the consequences of their failures and, and issues that they have to go, go through, God's reminding them in this time when they're back in Jerusalem, he's saying, hey, I'm faithful, I'm just, I'm the one holding up my end of the bargain here. This is, this is happening because of me. This is, this is my covenant that I formed, right? You will be my people, I will be your God, All right? And this is not just um, actually something that we see in, only in the Old Testament between God and the nation of Israel, but it's also in the New Testament context as well, right? We can see the same heart of God shining through the character of Jesus as well. And I think one of the best um, ways to explain that and, and reflect on this is that idea of a shepherd and his sheep. Yeah, it's just such a, such a typical biblical um, analogy being used. God's often the shepherd or, or his leaders are like shepherds of the flock or the people, the body of Christ, right? And so, God searching for his people or going out to see if his people will return to where they should be, it brought to my mind the parable of the lost sheep. And this parable is actually mentioned twice. It's in Matthew's gospel and it's in Luke's gospel. And the writers of each gospel put it in a different context each time it's used, which I find very interesting, but it broadens the application today, All right, for us. Uh, I guess as we, as we continue to bring out this theme of being either in the place God wants us or not in the place God wants us, it's inviting you to draw some draw a response to that, okay? Where do you see yourself? Where's your heart stand today? And we want to get away from this idea of, am I a Christian or am I not a Christian? It's this idea of, um, it's this idea of if I'm a Christian, um, am I following Jesus now? You know, it's that uh, as I follow Jesus and as I've made that commitment, where does my heart stand today in that context of relationship? Because there's plenty of times in my life where although I've made the commitment, although I'm serving Jesus, there might be one part where I'm straying. There might be one part of my heart or my mind or something that I'm acting out on where I'm not doing what Jesus wants me to do. I'm going to Babylon again or I'm going back to Egypt is another, is another way to say it, right? It's, and, and, and your heart gets pulled off in this direction that it shouldn't be, right? And so we might choose to reflect on ourselves as we think about this parable. We might also choose to um, think about who's God putting in my life that I know is wandering <laughs> and, and how can I be bringing them back as well? That's a big part of this um, this whole conversation that we're having today as well. So in Matthew's gospel in chapter 18, it's pointed particularly at um, God going and bringing back one of his sheep that's already part of the fold, right? So it's when, it's when we as his disciples go and we, we're just, we stray, you know, we just stray off the path for a bit. Maybe it's that um, habitual sin or it's that um, 
issue that we have in that relationship and, and we're really causing it and we're, it's, we're just not willing to, to let it go or our pride gets in the way or whatever it is. It's those situations. And then in Luke's gospel, Luke 15, um, he seems to be talking about when it's someone who doesn't know Jesus at all and he goes out and he, and he puts him on his shoulders and he brings him back and he talks about the party in heaven that's had when, that the angels have when, when that happens, right? And so two different ways of looking at it. We're going to read from Luke 15 um, today, starting at verse 3. It says, Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders, neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So however you want to look at it, whether it's the case that we're talking about Christians straying or whether we're talking about people coming to know Jesus for the first time, God is desiring to bring all people back into that, um, that place where he can shepherd them, where he can be their king, he can be the one um, who we're following and we're placing priority on. And I'd like for us to, yeah, not, not purely think about, as I said, oh, well, um, yeah, I'm, I'm in the fold. I've, uh, I made a commitment back in 19, whatever it was, or <laughs> whenever you made a commitment to follow Christ. I don't want you to think about, yeah, I'm in the fold. God found me. He carried me back. I'm there. It's now that ongoing, like the hymn says, daily I'm constrained in you. Daily we need that mercy again where there's a, there's a, there's a part of our life where maybe we're just not letting it. I guess the other way to say it is the, the, the rooms in the house example, right? We let Jesus into the front door. That happened um, for me when I was 13, right? And then eventually you let him in the lounge room and then in the kitchen and then he sees this room and he sees that room and then maybe there's that, that part of, you know, that, that cupboard in the, in the back room that no one ever sees where we hide the things that we don't want God to see, you know? It's that same thing. This is about letting God see all of us and it's about as we journey with Christ, there's times where we stray and we go back to look at what's in that cupboard or whatever it is in our life. You, you, you know um, the things that are going on in your life, the dynamics of your relationship with Jesus. How closely are we walking with him in the rest of the fold? Are we starting to stray? Is there something or someone else that has been making us take a wrong turn? And I find... To give, to give you my own example, it's not just, um, it's not always, you know, uh, a big sin issue. Sometimes it's just, oh, I've been, I've just not been focusing on God. And, it, and, and when, I, when I take my eyes off of Jesus, I do start to stray in the sense that I, I um, get down about things or I, or I stop putting uh, God um, in the place that he should be in my mind and my heart, you know? And things weigh on me more heavily than if I um, take time to focus on him. You know, it's this, John Ortberg, I think, uses this illustration where um, he says, out on big cattle stations, they don't run fences. 
They just don't bother about it. They just put wells in where they want the cattle to be and that's where the cattle will be. So they don't have to worry about putting fences in and marking rules out and and this sort of thing. Um, They say, just put the well in and that's where the cattle will be and we just know roughly they'll be in that area because if they want to survive, they'll drink from the well, yeah? And so this is a similar thing, you know? When when we aren't focused on um, God, it's like... It's like we're not going back to the well or, or maybe we're, we just don't even have a well in our lives that we're drinking from. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the ways that God says, um, well, that God goes about intervening in our lives when we are straying or when we aren't focused on him and maybe some of the ways that he brings us back into the fold, whether this be in areas that we're straying or whether it's he's inviting us to follow him for the first time, I want to talk about maybe um, some of the ways that he does this. And the first one is the story of when Saul was on the road to Damascus, right? And he's, he's on the way up there. And if you know Saul's story, he's the guy that becomes Paul, one of the greatest church leaders. But before that, he's basically this very zealous Jewish leader and he's trying to kill Christians and he's trying to put them in prison. And so, he, and so this is his story and um, this is what it says in Acts 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciple. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. So he's on his way. He's breathing out murderous threats. His trajectory in his path is, um, is far from, uh, uh, he's moving very quickly away from God's heart, right, for people. He, he's not moving the direction that God created Saul for, right? He, he, you could say he's running fast into Babylon or into Egypt. He's not, he's not moving to Jerusalem in the sense, in, 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 in that idea of a, an intimate relationship with Jesus, the way God wants him to be. And I feel like, um, you know, this is one of those cases where, where you go, well, God didn't show up for me like that. That's a pretty exceptional story. You know, God didn't flash lightning bolts and cause me to be blind and, and, and speak to me audibly and all of this sort of thing. But I think um, God often shows up, you know, in a way that is um, tangible sometimes, whether it be through an event in our life, through a change that comes in our in our, in our life, and he, and he does it because had he not done that, we wouldn't be listening to him. You know, it's like, it's like he needs to use the, the same amount of force um, that we're using to get away from him, <laughs> you know, like a car hitting a brick wall. It's like, I think, doesn't it do something with the, the force? You know, it's not like hitting the brakes. It's like when you hit that wall, it's like the same, um, the same amount of force is, is the, the force is doubled, I think is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> God has to match the force we're using um, as we move away from him sometimes. And sometimes it comes through an event. Sometimes it comes through something tangible that happens. 
And I think this is the story about Saul, the terrorist, becoming Paul the apostle, right? It's the story of God's people. It's actually my story. Not that a flash of lightning happened, but events in my life, changes that come in my life, um, they come often because I'm, I'm getting distracted and God shows up in a, in a change, usually in my life. And he shows up in other people's words to me, mentors, and, and he directs me in that way. This is how he stops me from straying. And I think often it's because I'm not listening, <laughs> you know. Often it's because, um, you know, even if I think, like Saul thought he was on the path that God wanted him to be on. He thought he was doing the right thing by God. And God had to show up in such a way that he was saying, stop, it's not, it's not the path you're supposed to be going. So what trajectory are we moving? How fast are we moving? <laughs> are we moving towards Jerusalem, intimacy with Jesus, towards Jesus, or are we moving far from Jesus? Are we moving away? Is the path going away from him, and are we moving quickly? You know, um, Jade and I were at a party. We go to a lot of kids' parties now because we have little kids, and we are at a party the other day, and Joey and Viv were there, and I'm chatting away, um, and the whole time, it's, it's funny when you go to a party like this with little kids, you never actually talk to a parent for very long. It's usually just small talk, and then you get interrupted because you've got to go and do something. But what happened was, we're at this party, I got some cake in one hand, and I can see Joey, and he's sort of wandering off a bit, and Joey, come back, and he does, and then, and then there's one point where he just runs for it on this footpath that goes straight to the road, right? And it's it's like, you know, every parent's worst nightmare. It freaks, freaks me out to think about it. I'm a, I'm a real helicopter parent. Um, <laughs> that's what Jade calls me. She's like, you know, Hawkeye, you're just always watching and this thing. And I'm like, yeah, that's because I don't want this to happen, you know? And so anyway, I see Joey and he's, he's gotten into a bit of a game as everything's a game with him at this age. And he thinks it's funny now that he won't come back when I call him. And so he's wandering off and I'm going, Joey, Stop, mate, come back. And he's sort of looking at me and running a bit quicker. And I can see it's going to the road. And then, and then he's running quicker. And then Mr. Whippy Van is coming down the road as well. And I'm freaking out because it looks, it looks like the worst nightmare is going to happen, you know. And so what do you think I did when this happened? Do you think I whispered? <laughs> do you think I went, Joey, hey, Joey, Mr. Whippy Van is coming. Do you think, stop, stop, mate. Do you think I did that? <laughs> no, I didn't, even, I didn't even calmly say, Joey, come back. I didn't do that. I looked like an absolute fool when I saw this happening, right? Because <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, like this is, you know, if I don't act now, you know, Joey might get squashed by the Mr. Whippy van. <laughs> I'm not going to have that happen, you know? And so I got my cake in, in this hand on a paper plate and I just squish it like this. <laughs> And I'm running, cakes going everywhere, and these other parents cotton on, and they're screaming, and it was like, it was bedlam, right? It was really scary. But I, I get to Joey, just as, if this was the edge of the gutter, I get to him, grab the back of his neck like this, and, and I stop him, right? And then Mr. Whippy Van just sails past, and, and everyone was like, yeah, good job, man. That was, whew, that was a close one, you know? And my heart's like, boo, 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 you know? But I think... That's a little bit of what happened to Saul, you know. If, if Saul was Joey <laughs> and he's running to Damascus, running to some tragic event, running in a path that God doesn't want him to go, 
and and I was a bit like God, you know. <laughs> Stop! It's like this big, um, you know. Uh, you got to you got to meet them where they're at to pull them back, you know. And this is this is what uh, was going on for Paul. And I think I think God does this in our lives too, in different ways. He matches where we're at. This is God's heart. He sees where we're moving. And if we're moving in a trajectory he doesn't want us to go, his heart is, I'm going to save my people. I'm going to bring them back to a place where I can shepherd them, where I can be intimate with them again. And I wonder um, where you are at in your relationship with Jesus. And, um, you know, it's one thing, as I said, to say, yeah, well, you know, we're good. I've made my commitment, I serve, I do this and that, but there's, there's part of the journey of growth in Christ that is staying on the path. You know, it's a narrow path and it's, and it's staying where Jesus wants you to be and that is something that um, connects with our relationships. It connects with that idea, it goes into our, our work and um, the way we spend our time, you know, what, what is our focus are we being distracted when we could be spending more time with Jesus? You know, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I love podcasts. They're just so good. I, I, just, I just learn a lot through them. I feel, love listening to conversations and things. But I can, you know, a lot of, some podcasts I listen to go for three hours, right? And I can listen to a three-hour podcast, um, you know, once or twice a week. You know, I don't watch TV, but I love watching YouTube videos and learning things on you know, motorbikes or whatever it is. It's just, just stuff that doesn't really matter, just stuff that I'm interested in, but I can waste so much time. And I'll find if I do that for like a good, a good amount of time throughout a week, I can get to the end of the week and just feel a bit heavy, feel a bit down because I haven't, I, I know that I'm, I'm just being distracted by this stuff and it weighs on my heart. I wonder if any of us ever feel that way as well, right? If you ever, if you ever feel like, man, I just said, like, it's a conflict because we call ourselves followers of Jesus, but we, how much time are we spending with him? What intimacy is present there? I think it takes a long time for us to, to stop and listen so that we can know God's voice as well. In John 10, it's a great chapter to read, but he talks about how the sheep know the shepherd's voice. And I think that's a very important factor as well, yeah? If we don't know God's voice, um, we're not going to know when he's speaking to us. We're not going to know when he's, when he's calling us um, to stop or, to, or if we're, we're straying and we're wandering in a place that we shouldn't be going. If we don't have that time to pause and listen to God's voice, how are we going to know that he's, that he's calling us? He might send lightning bolts or <laughs> something. The other, the other way that God brings us back into the place we should be is through family and friends, the people that he places in our lives. James 5.19 says, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. Right? There's examples over and over again in the Bible where God's people are inviting others to, to not stray, to not wander into the place they shouldn't be, to bring them back. You know, one of those, um, a, a cool example where God does this is with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. 
And Philip just gets this prompting to go. And um, I think he's in Samaria and there's this eunuch reading Isaiah. You know, and, and, he's, and Philip's told by the Holy Spirit to go and stand by the chariot that the eunuch's in. And, and the eunuch um, is reading it out loud. And Philip's like, hey, do you know what you're reading there, man? Do you know who you're reading about? And he's quoting that passage out of Isaiah. Um, and, and the eunuch's like, I've got no idea, man. Um, how can I know unless you explain it to me? And Philip jumps up there and, and shares the good news about Jesus Christ and how he fulfilled that prophecy out of Isaiah. And I think God uses people as well in our life, right? And so this goes both ways. He uses us to, to keep others from wandering. And we can do that um, in our family, friends, workplaces, you know, here at church, this is what we're here for. But he, he, he also um, puts people in our life to keep us from wandering. Did I say that? Anyway, you know the way it goes. <laughs> it goes both ways. We need help to stop being uh, strayed. And then we also need to help others to stop straying as well. So I wonder where you're at. I wonder what um, response you can make today. Do you know anyone who's not uh, on the path they should be on? At, at the least we can do is pray for them today. Um, this is what we're here for, to do this sort of thing. Do you know anyone who's just struggling in life and, and you just think, man, if I could help them, it would probably help them stay on the path, you know, of following Jesus. And, it, and it's pretty difficult work because it takes time. And it takes an investment on our part. And, it's, and it takes dragging that person sometimes, you know, and, and, and uh, it's a bit messy, but it's important work that God calls us to. And it's a sign of God's heart as well for us. So I'm going to close in prayer. I want you, to, want you to respond however God's leading you to respond today. It might be for yourself. It might be for someone else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, it shouldn't be that we need rules and reminding, I guess. It shouldn't, shouldn't be that we need fences to keep us um, where we're supposed to be. Uh, we'd much rather drink from a well. We'd much rather um, know where our source of life comes from. And I pray that that would be true for us today. Um, I pray that uh, however it is that we draw from the well of life, that we draw from uh, your spirit, that we, that we draw from you, yourself and your word and your truth, Lord, help us to uh, continue those rhythms. Help us to continue um, that path of, of staying um, on the path that you call us to. Help us to continue to meet together and not get weary in that. Help us to pray for one another, to be truthful about where the, the situation we find ourselves in, the difficulties that we face in relationships and, and the sins that we struggle with and the doubts that we have, Lord. Help us to be real with one another to the point where we can say, man, I'm, I am straying, I am wandering, I need help. This is difficult. And Lord, when we see others um, moving in a direction that doesn't honour you, Lord, moving in a direction that's not good for them, that's not what you created for them, Lord. Break our heart, Lord, to the point where we'd have compassion and to the point where we'd want to do something, even if it is just praying 
and praying and praying and praying until, until we know the right action to take. Lord, help us to have that urgency. Like me looking like a fool running after Joey, help us to have that urgency. Um, Lord, it, it's a bit messy and it's a bit, doesn't always look um, very cool or, or whatever, God, but it's important and it's necessary. And so push us to prayer for ourselves and prayer for others, God, that we'd be able to stay the course and we'd be able to honour you with our lives and we'd be able to um, be a light to others. And we thank you that there's nowhere we can wander to that you can't find us. We thank you that even Saul in the depths of his life as a, as a zealous terrorist, wanting to kill your people, you found him there and you showed up. And so I pray that would be true for those who know who are wandering and for ourselves as well, God. We thank you for your grace that, that uh, yeah, just washes over us and, and uh, helps us to continue. We pray this in your name. Amen. Let's stand and sing again.